What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here with Scale Up Show. I have Mateus Riolfi, a really cool company called Tint that he created that actually adds margin to SaaS products in a really unique and creative way that I didn't even know existed. Taken from some cool things that HP does, Airbnb, uh, as well as Apple. So um, amazing ideas on how to grow your margin very simply in a scalable manner. And so you're not gonna wanna miss this, check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions and this show is the answer. Welcome everybody to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Mateus Rielfi, who is the founder and CEO of Tint. Um, something really interesting is he was born in Brazil and co-founded Tint, uh, has grown through trial and error, went through the Y Combinator cro- program, has grown at five to 50 people already in close to what, five years, five years, five and a half years, four yeah. years. Yeah. Um, and then on top of it too, he is um, a, a passionate entrepreneur who is making waves and changes in terms of a new and interesting way to democratize insurance. Matthias, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. Hi, Ryan. Uh, Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Yes, sir, man. I'm happy to have you on. So before we get real deep into your backstory, because you evolved into entrepreneurship in the tech world really fast compared to a lot of folks. So let's do a real quick revenue rundown in terms of understanding how you got to this, this, um, how you got to where you're at, and then uh, we'll take it from there. So where are you at in terms of your ARR? Uh, we are a Series A company, so we're below ten million. Okay, Series A, ten million, below ten million. Um, what's your primary go-to-market strategy for revenue growth? Direct sales, so inbound sales. Oh, nice! Direct inbound sales. Okay, excellent. How large is your team? Uh, Fifty, or just sales, or overall? Just a, well, you can do overall and then sales too, because that'll yeah, give overall, context. Fifty, sales two. Fifty, and then you said two. Yeah. Okay, first 50 overall and two salespeople. Can you walk us through from a high level perspective in a couple of sentences, what your solution is and who it serves? Yeah, absolutely. So we work with tech companies to help them create uh, embedded insurance uh, products that protect the end users from risks they are inherent through the core business. So for example, your Airbnb, you rent a place, there are risks that things can catch fire, you can break. Airbnb works to put insurance in place so the users don't have to worry if anything wrong happens. So we make it easier for any company to do the same. Oh, okay, nice. So is that specifically focused more on marketplace type SaaS companies or is it beyond that as well? It's it's beyond that. So it's mostly tech companies. So we work in marketplaces, vertical SaaS companies. Those are definitely two of our core customer groups. Okay. And then um, you mentioned you're a Series A company, so we don't we understand if you're bootstrapped or funded. So walk us through how you got to this point. You know, I, I kind of I mentioned briefly in the intro how fast you kind of evolved into becoming a tech founder. But like, walk us through that. How did that happen? What was your journey on the way there? And um, what were some of the bumps and bruises you got along the way? Yeah, absolutely. So I always knew that I wanted to be a founder, like really early on. Like I used when I was ten, my my dad brought a color printer and I made that into a small business. So I really knew that eventually I want to do it. 
And I did some corporate jobs, went to college, went to corporate jobs. So eventually I thought I was ready to start my own company. And I moved to the United States to go to, to business school. So I attended Harvard Business School. And the reason why I came here is that I wanted to build global companies. And I believe there's no better place in the world to do that, like the United States as a country, but more specifically the Silicon Valley, um, is if you're looking to do a tech company. So I, I moved here. I joined a startup called Turo that at the time, uh, back in 2014, was about 14, um, sorry, 14 to you know, 20 employees. So it was relatively small, like Series A at the time as well. And that's where I met my co-founder, Jerome, and we worked together for 10 years. Um, we both got involved in insurance for, for uh, uh, as, as consequence of what we built for, for Turo. I was uh, heading the international expansion. So I was launching new businesses for them already as, a, as an employee. And my co-founder was the head of data science, doing all the data engineering and data science behind uh, Turo's insurance. And then eventually we saw the opportunity that you know, a lot of tech companies like Turo and Airbnb, Uber, Flexport, and others were becoming uh, or launching their own insurance products to, to kind of accelerate the growth of their core businesses. But we also saw how hard it was to do all of this in-house without the right support without the right systems, without the right you know, compliance, back office, and without the right connections to, to partners. So we decided to go out and create a company that would solve exactly this problem or the company we wish existed when we were building that at Turo. Awesome, man. Well, I mean, that's one of the things I love about this show is like, I, I never know uh, what's going to be the area of focus. And I... Did, never even crossed my mind to create a whole entire company around the insurance aspect, um, force ass mine, company. Mine neither. I won't lie. <laughs> so how did you fall into it? What was like, what was the apple on the head moment where you're like, oh, this is where it's at. Like, let's do this. Like, let's create, you know, insurance for SaaS companies, right? Or tech companies. Like, how does a product, and I know it's not just insurance, but. Yes, it's a good, and I, that, I won't lie that that was an accident in a sense, right? Because. I get a job in this uh, shiny tech company in San Francisco. I really believe in, in this sharing economy, in the mission uh, at the time. So that's why I decided to join. But I had no idea that insurance was even a big problem for them, right? And then when I get this job and then eventually I spent 80% of my time solving insurance so I could launch uh, internationally, I just realized how not, not only how important it is, but what is... Like I realized that there's a change happening in this market, right? Where consumers are starting to purchase their insurance and protection products from the brands they love, uh, to like you know, from the from the products they already use, as opposed to buying directly from tech uh, sorry, from insurance companies like you know, Geico's and Progressive of the world. And we saw that happening firsthand at Turo. So then, as we started looking at the market, we seen that that was happening in a lot of different places. Like as I mentioned, Airbnb, Apple, Tesla, Uber, like all those companies doing their own insurance. And then we just kind of realized that that was that could be a huge trend. And we started, and there was not even a name for this thing. But now fast like two about two and a half years after we were founded, this new trend of embedded finance or embedded insurance as, as part of embedded finance emerged as probably the hottest top topic in fintech. And we were squarely doing this, right? Even though we didn't have a name for it. And I think that's a little bit of what our story of how 
we accelerated very quickly uh, about this time because we went from, well, nobody actually understands what we're trying to do to now, a lot of investors and companies not only understand, but they are very eager to do it. And I think that was no, definitely when we saw a massive acceleration in our in our journey. Okay, so that makes sense. And so basically, you saw the big boys or big girls, whatever you want to call it, doing it right, where um, the monster monster companies had embedded insurance. And what I'm guessing is you saw a massive gap on the market. It, at what level below that, where you're like, hey, it's harder for people to construct this themselves, so they need help. Yeah, exactly. And the incumbents don't necessarily understand that they are not equipped with all the uh, all they need to to help those companies. Right? There's a there's a big understanding gap between what innovative tech companies need and what incumbent insurance companies can do without help. And a lot of our our job is to be this translation, right? To connect. Like to like, you know, we speak both the technology company language and the insurance company language, so we can bridge this gap. Okay, gotcha. So, um, so that that was it. So from there, I mean, kind of walk in. So you got that. How did you get accepted into Y Combinator then? We applied to Y Combinator three times, and we got accepted in the third one. So definitely, there was a little bit of a persistency there. Um, but how we got accepted, I mean, to be honest, in the third time, we were already going to see some of distraction. We had a much better story. We had a much better product that we were building. So the third, the third time ended up being a bit natural. So we were not surprised. I think the interview went well. Like, again, we had a compelling story. So I'm you know, trying to compare them. Before, I think we had some gaps that we were still researching and we worked on. Typical founder journey, right? It's never linear. You go, hit some walls, and then you have to get back and try it again. So we did that for, let's say, a couple of years at the beginning of our company. So by the time we got to YC, we were almost three years old at that time. We had already a lot of those things uh, figured out and a lot better story to not only get into YC, but also have a good you know, performance as a demo day, as like, you know, have a good numbers and good traction to show while we were um, in the program. Okay. So how long was the product built when you did the demo day? So how, for, yeah, it was, it, it was, uh, was already live in production by the time we got to demo day. So unlike some founders that can get you, I see with just an idea, we already had a product, like it had already been operating. We were, I mean, we were still early in terms of you no know, traction and and, um, and 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 maturity in a way, but like we we already had uh, like a production ready solution with paying customers with you no know, real traction. Okay, so that's good. I, I assume that probably gave you the leg up you needed um, versus some of the other people you're competing against because it was it was a little more proven, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it competing against, but there's definitely I'd say companies they already have a product, they have a higher likelihood of being able to accelerate, right? Versus if you're just trying to figure out and use, no, the demo, uh, demo day is about 12 weeks after the program. So if you spend seven or eight building, then uh, there's so much you can do until you're ready for the demo day. In our case, we already have, as I mentioned, some, some products and traction. So it's easier to double or triple your size. I mean, it's not easy necessarily, but it's easier uh, to do that while you are in the program. So 
Um, that was one of the things that, if in hindsight, the other two times, I think we were, because we were not as ready, I don't think we will have taken advantage as much of the YC as, as we did. So um, I'm, I'm actually, in a way, glad that, they, that we did it the time we did, because I think it was a great timing to, um, to, to use YC um, in, in the best way. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. So let's shift gears now. Like, obviously, you're you're having some some great success if you're in your Series A. So, what's your and, and you mentioned in, in the intro, kind of the revenue rundown that it's all inbound plus direct sales, right? So, walk me through your exact business model for revenue growth, and and um, would just love to hear the details on it. Yeah, so we uh, we started um, the the like in the first say 500k AR it was mostly. Uh, me and my co-founder, but mostly me because I'm I'm the the business person leveraging our connections and selling to like sharing economy companies that you know we knew or we had some sort of um, connection to. Um, and then I think at that time was you no, know, we were reaching out to them, going to events, like mostly focused on marketplaces and and, and the sharing economy. Then after this, we started to see, especially after YC or during and uh, around the, or around the same time, we started to see a diversification in terms of different verticals that were you know, coming to us, or we were having some track commercial traction in conversations. So at that time, we you now hired to like you no know, one one um, AE and one SDR to start doing this motion that is like the the team led sales, right, instead of the founder led sales. Um, and that's how we we've been doing this uh, since um, since then. And I think you know, other than you know, having them reaching out, like thinking uh, or or developing those opportunities, um, we do events. So I think that's a big conferences or uh, a big um, sales channel, if you if you from from us. And we do a lot of like uh, content, or we put a, we put a lot of content because. The embedded insurance is so new that most companies don't necessarily understand, never thought about it, don't understand. So I think there's definitely a great opportunity for us to educate the market, to you know, provide a lot of what we learned for free to our potential customers as a way to get them excited about the prospect. Okay. And like, what what's your deal size? I mean, are you, because events is usually correlated with larger deal sizes to compensate with that and then mm-hmm. content can be either way so like what, what kind of deal sizes are you looking at to um for this type of solution I yeah i think our deal sizes can be as high as six digits um so in, uh typically like companies that want to you know embed insurance or uh, have insurance as one part of the value proposition um the larger the company the more they can take advantage or right? the bigger the use base the bigger is the the potential. So we tend to like while we focus mostly again in 
startups, tech, uh, venture back uh, companies. Uh, we don't work with Fortune 500 or like such a like large corporations, at least not at this time. But no, our our customers tend to correlate with larger, more mature business models you know, uh, when they already kind of figured out their core business a little bit, and now they're working to get, have add-on revenues or an add-on margin on top of their uh, their core business. Uh, so we can have you no know, deal sizes. There are you no know, depending on the size of the customers, they can get you. Uh, Six digits, and, and so nice. It is a is a decent size when we're thinking of SaaS component. We're probably hunting more like elephants than we are deer or mouse. If you remember the the analogies, we call them whales here. We call them whales here just because of the name of my company, right? And that just tells us whales. Whales, yeah. So big believer of that. Um, and it's a it it's it's I love that model because it it allows you to as long as you understand it right it allows you to grow at a massive clip without a lot of people um, and so I guess like what well, let me ask you that so so while while we're on the subject uh, subject of that what would you say is your single best strategy for creating revenue growth in your business? It's a good question. Um, I think for us again because of the due side is work side by side with the prospect to create their insurance um, strategy, right? Uh, or like, you know, help educate the prospects and their you know, stakeholders on the other side of the value of the opportunity. So we are not a plug and like we are a, a plug and play product. After they are really, really ready to buy, we have an easy API integration. They can get started with very uh, little of overhead. But you know, we definitely need to convince them and, and show to them that like, hey, this can be a very interesting thing. Help them build, get the business case. So from our perspective, when we're approached more as a partnership, it tends to work a lot better than if we try to do a pure like you no know, sales, uh, kind of pushing a solution, existing solution uh, to them. And because of the deal sizes, like that is definitely uh, can still provide a great ROI. Okay. So how do you tactically do that? Like, is there something unique that you execute on throughout the sales process? Is there, does that start in the initial meeting? Like, how do you forge a partnership? Because everybody talks about that at a high level, but I'd be curious on your view of it since it's a core part of your business model on how you tactically execute that. Yeah, I think for us, it's a lot about uh, thought leadership and and having experts in what we do, right? So for example, our COO, he was the head of insurance for Airbnb. So he built all the insurance stack for Airbnb. And before that, he built you know, eBay's, PayPal's, um, HP's kind of insurance and protection programs. Like, you know, in my case, I've been working with embedded insurance for um, at least now nine and a half years now from my time with Turo and Tain. So I think we do know a lot about the space. And, you know, that is definitely something we can provide, you know, collateral, provide uh, talking points or something to the sales team. So when Tint goes to market, like we are perceived to be one of the best specialists, if not the best specialists in, in our space. Uh, and I think that really, I think, helps uh, with the sales motion. So I don't think we do anything specific on the sales tactics themselves. I think it's more on the on the content and on sharing the content with the right audiences and during the sales process. Okay. I love that, man. Like 
your team's messaging has to be amazing if if that's the level or depth of experience that your COO has. COO has. So I think that's awesome. Is there a specific type of content mediums that you leverage? Is it like video? Are there certain social channels that you you pump into? Is it articles? What would love to hear just what that is and and how that manifests itself. Yeah, we have all of the above. Um, we do uh, have we do publish blog posts. We do have some thought leadership like um, pieces in in, in different uh, publications. We do have social media, mostly LinkedIn. I think that's the the one where we uh, focus most of our, our time and, and energy. But I mean, but as I mentioned, a lot of this content or that's kind of working with the in partnership with the customer comes during the sales during the sales process, right? Like in one-to-one interact interactions with, with our uh, prospects and obviously with our customers later. Okay. And what, let me ask you this, because as we're thinking through this, like, so you're, you said your solution creates new revenue streams, which I think is amazing for companies. Like, what does that look like? Like, how does that, like, what kind of margins do people have or profit would they have by adding an insurance product on what they do? Yeah. So, uh, the way it works is that you now, if you look at any embedded insurance or uh, embedded fintech, and then you know, lending, deposits, banking, and obviously insurance has been one of these parts. I think what they do is that um, if they are used correctly, like you know, in the in the business uh, can can you know, make that as a com- core component of their core business, you help your customer, especially say vertical SaaS. Suppose you are a vertical SaaS platform that you have a system to help shippers ship their items, right? Like, so you are uh, e-commerce, you ship a lot of things to a lot of people, and then how do you manage your carriers? How do you know orders, how you track? So suppose you're a vertical SaaS that does that. Like your customers will have problems, right? They will have, um, now they have to deal with insurance, some shipments get lost, they get, they get uh, uh, broken, they're delayed, or a lot of things like that. So if this vertical SaaS can solve that to those customers, not only you can now charge something for the for the protection and then get a, a margin on top of that, but your core business actually should accelerate because if you there are ten options for shipping uh, systems out there, if one of them have more integrated, and suppose you can also offer lending for for that company, you can work in capital, whatever other things that this company may be needing at the time the value of your service increases exponentially. Therefore, you should sell more or even your core business. So that's kind of the amazing, I'd say, combination that embedded uh, finance and embedded now insurance or protection can um, can have to you guys. Then exactly how much of margin would increase, like it depends a little bit on your use case, depends on do you want to retain the risk? Do you want to just get a little, uh, you know, a marketing or referral fee on top of it, but I'd say you no, know, it can be um, like double digits, like you no know, net margin improvements through companies depending on how they play. So it it can be material, right? That's what I'm I'm trying to to get here. Um, it can really change, especially in the environment we are right now, where um, fundraising is harder. You have more pressure to deliver like margins as much as deliver growth. That is just should be a great tool that founders can think about and should explore. Okay, sounds good, man. So I think that's a good opportunity. So, so Mateos, uh, what what would you say is the single biggest challenge you're running into now, growing the company, just kind of based on your at where you're at with all the success you've had so far? 
Yeah, our challenge is definitely the you know, how to scale the company, right? I guess it's the same challenge for every, uh, I imagine every company that gets to our stage where you, know, you have a strong demand pulling you, um, you have a team in place, but now your, your team and things are growing very fast. So you really have to make sure that you're adding more uh, resources while you're changing your, your systems, your communication channels, so you can continue to operate as efficiently as you did in a, in a smaller scale. And, you know, that's a, yeah, that's, that's a little bit of the journey that we're, we're going through. And I mean, luckily things are, uh, are working as expected, but there's definitely, you know, this, this growth pains that I would say any founder, any startup will have to deal with. And they just change, right? Like, you know, if we look at companies, there are later, even public companies, they will have, same type of pains, but for different reasons. Now it's maybe reporting that has to change because now they're public. So I'd say that piece never goes away in the founder journey. Excellent. Well, thanks for that feedback. So where are um, where can people find you? Where can they find more about Tint? And then we'll wrap things up because we're just about up on time. Absolutely. So they can find us at www.tint.ai. Or if they want to add me uh, personally, Mateus Riofi on LinkedIn, I answer to most messages I have. So I'm happy to connect directly or send them to, you know, to, to connect with the best person in the team. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode. 